Hey everyone. So good to have you here with us on the Constructing Consciousness podcast. Today, uh, Fiona Wright, Lee Reese, and myself, uh, Tucker Walsh, are going to be speaking with Alexander Love, who I feel very blessed to have uh, befriended recently this past year. And also someone I see as a mentor, as a teacher, as a coach. Alexander is an acupuncturist, a developmental coach. He's also developed the Lumina process, which is a shadow working modality. Uh, he's based here in Boulder, Colorado, where I am. And he's also writing a book called Evolutionary Gestures, um, which will explore maybe the, the essence of the book. I, a sense comes through in our conversation today. I've had the blessing to read parts of the book and have found it to be so deeply uh, inspiring and delicious and melting. <laughs> and I can't wait for it to, to be out there in the world. All right, for now, enjoy the conversation. As always, we're grateful for any feedback or suggestions or recommendations that you might have. So please don't hesitate reaching out. All right, enjoy. What's coming up for me as a, as an opening inquiry or question is, and I'm asking myself this by asking us this. Um, I feel when you speak about a topic that I I have you know several years of really deep diving in and feel um, like I've explored a lot and heard a lot of people talking about. There's something about the way in which you share with your full being about development, about life itself, about love and how it expresses itself in a multiplicity of, you know, infinite ways. And there's some way in which when I experience you speaking from the heart of development itself, that I feel more alive. Like there's just like more life somehow exists. It's like um, pixels of consciousness somehow get turned on and there's just more energy and attunement and curiosity and creativity there. And before I, you know, hypothesize, I guess, why that is, I'm curious why you sense that is or, or where is it that you found that in yourself that allows you to perhaps invite others into that experience? Well, I guess, you know, for, for me, there's the distinction of talking about things as compared with being something, becoming something, being a living expression of something. And so often development is... Uh, spoken about from a from a place of distance. And there's beauty in this. I mean, differentiation has its place, but there's a there's a talking about, there's a pointing at. And and for me, there's something about well, I want to eat mangoes. I, I want to like, I want to feel the I want to I want to like feel the bubble bath. And 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 if we're talking about people growing up then we're we're the we're the living map. We can look at a map on a paper, but 
but we're the living map. And so, you know, my experience or desire is to be speaking about what's actually unfolding in us as human beings, which I think all developed models are attempting to do. But I'm interested in, in inviting the looker to become the experiencer because then I think we're touching, we're touching something. And that's where there's room to fall in love with each other so that development isn't something that's distancing us, but it's something that is helping us know one another. What are we touching? Well, I think that's the that's the beauty of it is that um, different developmental waves of making sense of things are going to answer that question differently. Whether I'm touching a carrot, <laughs> I'm touching, you know, a cat, I'm touching uh, an infinite wave undulating through the something or other that I think, you know, what it is, I think that's the beauty is that it isn't one thing. It is um, something that's being uh, lived by all of us and I mean, I, I was just with, I met this little girl the other day, um, Remy, she was three. And she was just here for a few moments. And when she left, she and my wife, Veronica, got to know each other. Veronica gave her a banana. And my daughter played the harp for her. And, and Veronica gave her a little shawl. And then when she left, she she gave Veronica this hug that must have lasted at least a minute. But, you know, like as hugs go, that's a pretty long time. And I mean, her speech was so simple. She was just like, I love you. And we were falling into something. And, and I, I don't know that I could define what Remy would, would call it. And that's, I think, the point of trying to understand stages as uh, different dimensions of a whole, that we fell into something. And maybe one person says, oh, it's a cute kid who like fell asleep. And my wife was, you know, oh, there's like a infinite permeating love or whatever. And then Remy is like, want to come over tomorrow? You know, so I think the it is, is uh, infinite. I'm noticing as I'm listening to you speak, there's a level of texturedness. Like I'm I'm hearing with more richness. Um almost like I can kind of reach out and feel like a ooh, like as I run my hands through grass or like a ah as you're speaking about Remy, as you're I'm getting these flashes of my kids. I was just with my kids at their friend's house. And um, they have these two dogs that they care deeply about that are these dogs that have come from a shelter in Mexico. And 
um, like one of them is kind of traumatized a little bit. And so just being there with them, with their family, sensing into the field and loving the dogs as part of the field of the family and then noticing how the dogs would come to me and that that brought the family closer to me because they're like, oh, our dogs seem to like you. It's like this, this texturedness of like, oh, then reaching out, touching the dog. And the one dog who's traumatized, who rarely goes to anyone, like slowly starts moving closer. And like the reaching out and the touching and the, like, as you ask about Remy, it makes me ask about the dog. You know, like, what is the dog sense of that whole experience? What would it be like to not only look out from their eyes, but to feel out from all their senses in the ways the dogs sense the world um, and how, how I can attune myself more, more fully to the whole of the environment that's arising. I am. Um... What, what what arises for me as you're speaking is an incredible sense of intimacy, which, which is an alternative to distance and staring at. And it brings up questions for me around when we when we want to know ourselves, how are we going about knowing that? And are we are we seeking the the texture of pages of maps and models, which is a beautiful way of knowing? But is that sufficient for falling in love with each other in such a way that we might uh, bring war closer to an end? And and it's just it feels like that question of what's required for intimacy with life, what's required for intimacy with each of the uh, developmental waves that are inside of us and inside of others, and what's required for intimacy with our lunch. You know, what's, what's, what's needed? Because to me, you know, we can talk about development, which is, which is a height it's along the vertical trajectory of, of moving upwards and downwards and earlier and later. But there's also the, 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 the depth dimension, which is where I think a lot of that intimacy comes. Anybody can feel like they're intimately connected with life. And I just wonder what, yeah, it brings up the question of what can we all do to deepen that? as discovering, you know, what we are, who we are, and things like that. Word intimacy is landing in me quite mm. strongly. It's kind of like a, um, 
noticing kind of like a heightened sensitivity, like, ooh, like forms of intimacy um, and the full spectrum of ways in which we can be intimate with life and with others and with ourselves. Um, Um, and part of what I'm getting the sense of when, when, when I'm here with you is maybe intimacy in ways that are not what we would traditionally think of intimacy as, where like I can be intimate with my, with my children or with my wife or with my closest friends. And right now in this moment, as I'm here with you, like I'm feeling intimate with the light that's behind the computer, right? Like, oh, like there's like an inanimate object type, you know, like intimacy with the ways in which you can only, you can only see me on this side. I can see my whole desk and all the things that are behind it. And, like uh, the 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 depth and the richness and the the history that is within each object in my field, like the hands that have touched it, the people who helped create it, the ideas that came into form that manifested it into being, um, the choice that I made to like leave it in a specific spot. Um, all of that kind of vibrating in my field in an intimate way um, that maybe even perhaps before this call, I would, wouldn't have called that intimacy, but I'm feeling it now. The word intimacy is breaking apart, fractaling apart, and it's arising as into me, I see. And I think about that on the concrete level. And, you know, I actually feel in my body each word like a drop of rain on the pond of my physical sensorial body. It's like the senses are taking in life. And on the subtle level, there's a way in which all of these words and energies and weavings are creating Tucker creating this mind, creating these words that are arising right now. And on the awareness level, it's like a seeing, a witnessing of what is arising in intimacy into the, into the, into the mystery of the sea, of the ocean of awareness. And, and from a love perspective, it's just exactly what it is. <laughs> It just sees itself in its perfection and in all of the the shapes and the forms and the colors and the textures of what that perfection is in each moment, in each in each in each now. I love that we've move straight to intimacy because that was my direct experience of the model from the beginning was um, 
I mean, I feel it like I feel anything in life. It's an invitation. There's an invitation to um, experience more of this moment, more of more of myself initially. And I think that was part of what the model was helping me to do was to go into, you know, little pockets of myself and actually noticing where it was pointing to something that was just so alive and exciting. There was this intimacy of like, oh, wow, that's true. And I know that to be true. And then noticing the parts that didn't, that felt a little more differentiated or when I would read something and just go, oh, actually. And then that was a beautiful invitation there in noticing the differentiation that I was experiencing and then what was what it was pointing, the intimacy of the absence that it was pointing to, like the intimacy of well, what am I not paying attention to that actually this is now inviting me to bring into awareness? And how does that actually bring this person potentially that I'm noticing this, this piece in and somehow not noticing it in myself if that was how it was showing up in the moment? How does that bring me closer to this person and to myself as I as I invite that to be true and inquire into how I either am not making that true or wanting to distance myself or, or something like this. So for me, from the beginning, every single pointer was um, an invitation into a, a journey of deepening intimacy and, you know, deepening the experience, deepening knowing and seeing, and then ultimately the intimacy of not knowing and inviting that, the beauty of like, just, um, I would say maybe it's a stretch to say, but I feel like learning about development actually really did help me like release into the intimacy of the unknown even more. Maybe the opposite of what people might project onto the map, that it becomes more of a structure that sort of shapes reality rather than that. It opened and allowed a deepening into the not knowing of perhaps what the map can't point to, you know? So I just feel all of that as the invitation into deepening intimacy. I love this, you know, um, history you know, is something that often we think about along a trajectory in, in terms of something that has happened. But as you were uh, speaking, Dion, it was bringing up for me this, um, you know, to me, evolution, I like to say that evolution is revolution with sprouts. That evolution is, is a revolving, it's an enfolding and then a and then a sprouting. This is the unknown, the kind of sparking into something brand new. And in that enfolding, there's like it's all there. Everything is all there. Like as you were pointing to, Fion, the all of the minds and hands that went into making these laptops and um, the the plants and the interactions that allowed for the growing of these clothes that then were moved through human beings and human minds and human hearts. And in a way that, you know, it's, it, it's quite staggering to think how much is actually here right now to be intimate with. 
And uh, it reminds me of, of Gepser's use of the word diaphanous, diaphaneity, this, the ability for things to like, for light to pass through something, or in this context, to be able to see through the world in such a way that more and more of the whole is available to be intimate with because all of history is being enfolded all the way down to the wiggly little, you know, protonic, you know, protonic zest. <laughs> and there's, there's this, there's a, it occurs to me that there's just this profound invitation for paying attention, including the non-human world. Yeah, it feels like there should be another sentence after that, but I don't I don't have one. I'm having one coming through me as 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 you're kind of ending. Um which like the into in me I see the kind of what you were saying, Tucker, and then with what you were saying, Lee, of like the the aspects that can be opened up into um and then what you were just saying there alexander with the the history of it all in the moment all here and noticing in myself like the the nakedness i now feel in this environment where before it was like, I'm in this little box and I can control what people can see in this little box. But now there's like a bit of a mess on my desk and I feel like I'm being seen by it, right? It's kind of like, oh, <laughs> I feel like a little bit of kind of like guilt that comes up around like, oh, I could have made that a bit more. Like if I'd really been fully intimate with the objects that are here in front of me, how could I have been more fully with them how can I be? So like I'm noticing, for example, there's like a few propane cans here sitting on my desk because I've 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 committed to bringing them to the recycling place at some point. <laughs> they have not been taken there yet. And noticing in me kind of like a, the question of prioritization in the moment of like, when being fully intimate with the wholeness of reality as it's coming into me, the choice points or the um, the 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 momentary realizations of intimacy with our environment that bring up potential impulses to act. Like, am I going to do something about this thing that the environment is giving to me right now? And how we orient towards that in the moment, like, oh, like I'll put it off, I'll do it later. Or um, that's something that I can actually do later. And that's like a valid way of holding it. Or um, am I doing it from, because that was that little bit of guilt there? And because then I, I I feel bad about myself if I don't do it, or am I doing it from like a place of 
more wholeness where it's like the ethical orientation towards meeting the intimacy of the reality that's unfolding as me through me in the moment um which the guilt is also potentially a part of right it is to be met in its beauty and its wholeness and it's it's information that it's bringing to the field and um Yeah, noticing that kind of curiosity come up in me around like how to prioritize, how to choose, which aspects of wholeness over other aspects of wholeness are to be leaned into and to be embodied as a choice. Having this image arise of this massive unbounded sunflower field and Fiona's walking through the sunflower field and being like I can only pick one <laughs> which one do I which one do I which which one is calling me which one am I called to for this moment and when I hold that collect collectively Meaning I, I could I could hold what I'm hearing as what are the choice points I'm going to make, but I, I could also hold it like when I'm in relationship to the whole, what is asking for embrace? And, you know, for me, pain has been something close to my life, losing my father pretty young. And you know, I feel like that was one catalyst for eventually landing me into intimacy. That the way in which pain sort of breaks the heart open, stretching it. And, and for me, it, it, it brings it back to sort of where we were, we were beginning with this notion of intimacy and, and touching life directly rather than staring at. Because what I see in terms of choice points from when, I, when I'm with the collective and what is calling out, what is crying out, there is a, what I hear is a longing for meaning, a longing for meaning that arises from direct intimacy and a sense that there's a lot of that that is uh, missing in our current whole. Which is sort of where there's this return to when talking about development, how do we approach this in such a way that we're not talking about it as much as we are touching it. So that there's a way in which the sort of yearning crying out is finally met because we're not talking about where is somebody at? Where's that person at developmentally, but rather we're talking about our direct experience of being alive. 
which is at a whole lot of things all at once. Like atomically, you know, it's like, where are you at? Well, like protons are still here. As you know, it's like there's a certain degree in which we are at all sorts of places because of that unfolding. Love that because I, I was having when Fionn was speaking, and you know, Alexander was feeling like intimacies interpenetrating and touching each other, and how even like even having to, it's not even necessary about having to choose one focus of attention it's like even even when I think about like beauty creation in a sensorial level and how alive that is for me like I love to when I move into a new space I just the first thing I do is just like move things around and like move plants around and like put beautiful things up and put like my shawls across the whatever and and same at home like every single detail is alive for me in 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 concretely in a space and I want to smell like beautiful things and I want to like I'm attracted to like light and color and aesthetics and and when I think about that as intimacy like creating a space that feels alive and and beautiful it invites subtle intimacy like if you create a beautiful space people step into it it's interesting how many people will walk into my home at times and go ah oh. sometimes I'll say things like oh I feel like I'm on a holiday or something like so there's a sense of something relaxing or something associated with being on holiday that um, is like an invitation into like softening and opening my heart because I feel like relaxed. And then that creates these subtle intimacies. And then, and so it's like, we can sort of like be like touch reality and, and that penetrates through to other layers and levels and it invites deeper intimacy, whether it's being in pain and having my heart cracked open or being like feeling incredible awe and beauty or whatever that might be. And then being as that and then inviting others to feel their own hearts through whatever that expression is in the moment. For me, that's like the intimacy is interpenetrating. So I don't need to make a choice in a sense about what it is that I'm intimate with by just being that intimacy. There's an invitation to others to like feel more of themselves or to feel more of life in the moment. And so that itself is what feels like a beautiful like dance to, to deepen intimacy together. It's not a choice. It's just like what's alive in the moment, what feels like delicious or incredibly painful or um, just what makes my heart sing or cry. <laughs> Speaking of that, I noticed how I had this construct around how podcasts have me feel less intimate somehow and I don't like doing them and <laughs> I haven't ever done one before. And so I'm just wanting to name that because I um, you know, was just like, oh, a podcast, like at the beginning and just feeling like this lack of like, I don't know, some sort of desire or some something about recording. Fiona and Tucker and I have had a conversation about recording a thing, whether it's in writing or voice or what, I have a thing about recording things. And I think it's like, something about the stagnancy that I've got this thing around like that once something is like and I know that it's not even it's it's clearly some sort of yeah discomfort that I've grown in my life with attaching or just holding something constant like I like I guess I think this the intimacy for me is just the movement and so um 
I'm just like with that I wanted to name it because it's definitely present for me and like feeling like a little bit like oh I don't don't really want to be recording this podcast but yeah so that that feels more intimate as I share that that I can be more fully here Mm. it's interesting though because I've recorded a few podcasts and you know over the years and I go back and listen to them and it's always a different podcast like the podcast itself is always moving my experience of myself of the it's 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 like material reality itself is actually different uh, even though it's the the same podcast quote unquote and so there's a way in which i find you know as a documentary filmmaker that the capturing of life is actually just containing it into a different evolutionary journey that doesn't actually ever cease movement just continues it continues it in a new in a new form because as it bumbles through the field of all of our listeners here it all of those shifting contexts um, it sparks different things it's like a it's like a, it's like a seed of history you know it's like another to me it's like another seed of history and what i've found is that the space that we're holding together also is carried inside of the recording. And I don't know how that happens, but I've listened to a number of different teachers over the years that have very strong transmissions. And somehow it also gets held within the recording. And so it's like, to me, there's this sense of history like it, 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 it waddles its way th- through the collective. And if we were to listen to it again, maybe it would sound similar-ish with its own differences. But as it lands in the ears of the other hearts that are in relationship with it, it'll never be the same again. And the quality of potency that we're inviting the listeners into is also carried it's somehow imbued somehow walks with it and will also be altered by the listening heart and hearts of those listening and what they're bringing what their powerful hearts are bringing into the the dialogue there's something about that that feels deeply true to me um if you can't you can't walk in the same river twice you can't step in the same river twice right like the each each time that this recording is interacted with in some way there's a an evolution of it um the metaphor that comes to me is um, Rupert Sheldrake's morphogenetic fields, the kind of the, the feeling that physical objects interacted with in a conscious way hold within a field new forms of access that, that others can tap into. And so in the moment now, getting the sense that those who are listening are tapping into a field 
that is being generated right now, like you were saying, Alexander, in a recording, that by tapping into it, there's like a reciprocality happening there. There's a um, an opening up into the heart space of well, what does it feel like right now to listen to this, to these words, to these people, and what's coming up in the sensory system? You know, like what are these words? bringing up in thoughts, in feelings, in embodied sensations, that then the next listener like has it a, a, a more full experience somehow because someone has listened before them and so on forth in all ways in which this recording is touched somehow. Yeah, I'm really appreciating all of your responses and um, I'm just noticing the scarf that I have sitting over there on the bed, which I adore. It's like an owl that has these big, beautiful, colourful wings. And I'm, I'm thinking of how that's a static object, you know, and how my ongoing relationship with it constantly is evolving and changing. And so... Um, even that we couldn't necessarily call it the same field as this. This is a different sort of field. But so so I guess I'm wanting to point to what I spoke to as far less of, I couldn't have an attachment to it being truth, that there's some sort of staticness to this. My intention was also to just be vulnerable in the sense of like um, going, oh, I don't like that. Like ever since I was a kid, I was asked, I think, what the value what one of the most important values were to me, and I remember I was I was applying for a scholarship to a to La Réunion, a little island that I went on on exchange to because I went to a French school, and um, I um, said fluidity. I remember I can still see that it was like fluidity. I think I was thirteen, and um, so there's something there that I think since I was little I have had this, you know. Um, some sort of discomfort around being stuck in something or being labelled as something or identified as something. And um, so I'm just wanting to, like, just bring that forth as something that's sort of carried through a lot in my life. Like there's um, just interesting that these things, even though they evolve and grow up and transform and I can hold a very different relationship with it and with this as anything but stagnant, even when it's released into the world, it's... Um, but that it's there's still a tenderness in me around recording something. And um, I guess just bouncing from intimacy to vulnerability and, and what can, you know, in this moment as we've committed from the beginning to um, be the thing that we're pointing to rather than just point to the thing, it was like, what is it to like be really intimate with this tenderness and this vulnerability that I have in recording something and naming it in the recording and um, just seeing what happens in my body in response to naming it and as an experiment and yeah, just noticing 
there is a relaxation and I find that a lot I think it's really such a beautiful thing it's like the more intimate I am with truth the more capacity I have to bring it forth and like fully live into it the more intimate life becomes and I feel less distant from the thing that I didn't want to name or something and so yeah just playing with that really <clears throat> I notice this quality of preciousness arising. It feels like this, this recording in this moment, just being with you right now in this way, it feels so precious. And with that comes so much gratitude and sense of reverence and a sense of humility in me as well to be able to share this moment with you Lee, and with all of us feels like exactly why life would want to be alive right now been thinking about the fluidity that was brought in and my experience of development as I feel it from you Alexander and how it allows it to to be in me feels like it's um, a more fluid interpretation of something that is often maybe captured and or, or communicated or constructed in a way that feels sort of um more earthy, perhaps. And the fluidity, the ecstatic dance of development and life unfolding. Um, again, it brings up a preciousness of like each expression is feels precious because it feels more uh, full and empty and also temporary and also fully here now like fully existing and there's some way in which it's like uh it's reoriented my experience to all of life to use this frame of development in a fluid context that creates um almost a sense of grace of like each moment being an act of grace, an act of a gift of being able to visit. Oh, now this is happening. This is I'm visiting this expression and it's fluid. So it'll be gone and it'll shape shift into something else. And in and, and that fluidity, it makes it all the more miraculous for me. Yeah. Me too. For me, you know, the center of, of development is is this engine, evolution's engine, which are the way that, that it lives in me is, is as these sort of evolutionary gestures, these primordial gestures. And um, 
you know, we know these as like the receptive gesture, the, the, the cosmic fire rising out of the ocean gesture. We know this as the, uh, the flowing gesture or the lemnus gate, which if people don't know what that is, it's like a number eight, but on its side, it's this, this, the song that never ends gesture where every time you flow around the corner, you flow around the other corner and the snake is eating its tail and you know, you're kind of, and, and, and then we know it as um, often it's talked about as interpenetrative. I, I like also like the word interreflection and, and that these, that these gestures, these are movements that are then um, in relationship to some sort of a unifying ink, a sort of uh, a, a, a fluidic dynamic, a unifying agent that gives these four gestures a fifth kind of um, movement, which isn't really, it's not really separate from the four. It's the four gestures in motion as a rolling, enfolding, sprouting, uh, undulating sort of breathing space. And that, you know, these can be something that unfolds through development, but they're unfolding through your cat. They're, un they're unfolding through paint. You know, they unfold through everything. But when they move through the human world within the context of self-reflectivity and meaning-making, these gestures become what we call these developmental waves of a whole. And so I... I you know, listening to you, Tucker, it's like, for me, it's, it's all movement. It's why in the book that I'm writing, I'm, uh, I'm including so much looking at um, um, the gestures in, in the Chinese language, um, in the painterly strokes, because whereas in English, a squiggle is a squiggle is an S, and it doesn't mean anything until it's next to other letters and sentences and stuff. But in the Chinese language, these painterly strokes, they're, they're, they invite dreaming. Mm. Like they show you, it's like a, um, the, the person who's going to be doing some of the calligraphy for the book, this is this masterful calligrapher. And um, she was talking about how, you know, when you look at, when you look at calligraphy, some of it is just like, you know, writing your name. And you just like, ah, oh, you just wrote your name. You weren't fully there. It wasn't a thing. But good calligraphy, it's it's resonating with the, the power of life in the painter. And there's this whole, um, not something I can speak from from a, a lot of in a lot of nuance, but there's this way in which the the holder of the brush is allowing the, the resonance in their heart to move through the arm, through the paintbrush, impregnate, you know, imbuing, impregnating the paint with the vibrations of, of life and also of the calligrapher's embodiment of what that those symbols mean. And so I'm including a lot of that to try to invite us to orient to development in a, it's not just looking at a new model because I'm not actually speaking about a new model. It's, it's how do we become someone different 
who's exploring how we grow. And what's the impact of exploring how we grow through gesture? But I think again, brings us back to intimacy because um, Jeremy Johnson talks about the continuity fold, you know, and you look at the, 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 the gesture of the fold, if you get really close, it looks like lines that are separate from one another. But if you back up from the fold, you see that the fold is a continuity. There's no separation in it. And, and that to me is the beauty of gesture is that you can't get separate when you're in the world of gesture because everything is becoming everything else. Hey, Alexander, can I get you to tell my son that when I'm trying to get him to do his Chinese homework and he doesn't want yeah. to write characters? <laughs> yeah, when the book is out, you can you just you say, look, read, read this 700 pages. <laughs> You've got three days, stay in your room. <laughs> well, I love that so much, Alexander, and it, it feels like it. it's just like, so there's a couple of things that come up for me. One is like the source of any gesture or action in the world and the intimacy of that source. So if I'm like painting the calligraphy, like with this, you know, the intimacy of my experience, as you said, with the meaning and the form and the beauty of it, then the gesture is, is that invitation into deepening intimacy in whatever. And the same way I was saying, you place a, like a flower in a vase in a particular way, or you rearrange a plant or, you know, it's the gesture of intimacy. And, and then I love that you point to that it's not this discrete action. It's also the action in the form of like just taking the home as an example, like the whole canvas of the home and how it comes together as one. And then the expression of that. And, the, and then you can zoom into the beautiful detail or, or of the curve of just where something's positioned. And then the intimacy of that action of going and placing a thing or painting a thing in a way where my heart is fully like engaged or and like really in love with the expression of the moment. And, and then that itself just opens so much. So I just, I'm just loving how you're describing the gesture in that way. And um, I feel that very alive in me. It's beautiful. As you're speaking, it also, it helps wake up for me because I, I feel in your speaking a reflection back of how what I spoke is living in you. And then the, the how how that is is sort of reflecting back it it awakens in me all the places where I distance myself you know and all the places where I forget to remember and so it's lovely just sort of an it's sort of like a, a dancing with the thing you were mentioning before about the vulnerability like it feels like there's a uh, there's a similar vibration sort of with that of, oh yeah. And here are all the places where when I was walking towards the stove, you know, I, I somehow was pulled away even just ever so slightly, you know, um, and the, the joy and the, the pain and the, you know, it's like walking into like a musty bookstore it's like feeling those places of musty bookstore, like in my, in my bloodstream where it's like, oh yeah, you, you just turned away. Just, just, a, just enough. Yeah. It's 
Beautiful. And even in a word, like I noticed the way, the way the word interreflective touched me when you said it was interreflective, yeah, as opposed to interpenetrative. I was like, ah, oh, I like that. And how that opens and just where that sourced in you, it spoke to me and it opened me. And I was like, yeah, it's not the word penetrative. I've been with this word a lot lately, penetrative. There's a lot of penetrative energy in our culture and what's become normalized. And even just that act of shifting something from, because the word itself, I, I use it a lot as well. I mean, I don't know if a lot, but it comes into um, sentences at times, but I just love that. It's a different sort of intimacy and interreflective. It's not so like harsh or something. I really appreciate that. Yeah. You know, just to speak a little bit about it, since I said the word, but didn't really say much um, since you're bringing it, you know, it's like we have the reciprocal which is like this touch points back and forth. I see you, you see me, I see you, you see me. Um, but at some point in that touching back and forth, we do become interpenetrative, like, like two clouds that are like moving through one another. But then if the, as that continues, there can be a place where there's a stable state. So it's like the, it's sort of like the, um, the mature part of the interreflective or interpenetrative stages, the very end, the fruition. My experience is that when people go there upon reflection, they're not actually penetrating one another. I look into your heart and I see myself. You look into my heart and you see yourself and it's a kind of a unique unification because it's not wholly non-dual in that there's a collapse of you and me, you're still over there and I'm still over here, but I can see that you're me and I can see that I'm you upon reflection. And so I still consider interpenetration to be a part of what happens. It's just once it lands in its maturity, it feels more to me that there's something about interreflection that feels like it holds a stable state rather than this sort of movability that's sort of like the, 2.5, 4.5, 6.5 kind of, um, they're on their way towards being a sovereign of that entire world space, be it the concrete, the subtle, or the, the metaware. So just figured I'd flesh that out a little bit. Love it. Thank you. I'm still enjoying the the combination of words of forgetting to remember <laughs> and wondering how does one remember remember not to forget um, and um, into reflection it's the I think it's the first time I've ever heard that word in the inter and reflection put together in that way and immediately as you spoke it like Lee was saying there was something like I got a like a visual image of like two things that are close enough to each other to reflect each other and while while maintaining the distinctive like duality but to have the unification with duality in it right so like you were saying it's not a full non-dualness where it's like you know unification as pure 
but there's like a there's a, a, a like a healthy diversification within the unification right there's an interreflection so i can see you and you can see me and we see each other and we're not we're not fused right we're not so overtly merged that there is not enough healthy boundary and um there's something also about the word reflection that I like when it comes to light, right? That that light is reflective, right? Light is reflected off. And so in that way, it's almost like the interreflection allows for the light within you to see the light within me and for us to play with light together in that way. We get an image of the moon reflecting into a pond. It's like they're seeing each other and being each other. And they're being themselves separately as well. There was something that you said, Lee, about like the penetration, right? Like this is something almost, almost violent, or there can be, you know, in different contexts. And, but that's also a part of, of reality sometimes, that there is real penetration. And I'm hearing that the, the moving versus the, the stable or the static and the having of both where it's like, yeah, the penetration does happen. And as the penetration comes into um, some form of equilibrium, there's a, an, a new space that is created of interreflection. And so you've, in that word, Alexander, kind of opened up a new space in me to experience that gesture in more wholeness because there's a moving of it and there's the static so like having both and being able to recognize um how they move into one another right that there's a there's a, a movement into and then there's a like a pause right like with breath right? like a, an inhale and then before i can exhale there's like there's a pause and so to have that as a an understanding of gesture as a as an embodiment of gesture so that one of the things i find within myself is like a a feeling the need to move or to be active right like i'm 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 i have this drive that orients me towards action and one of the things that i'm sensing into a little bit more here in this moment is the allowing myself to be um, not quite passive, but like a sense of almost like relaxation or at peace, being at peace, even though there may be movement or there may have just been movement or there may be coming movement right after this moment, but that there's a possibility for 
a peace in the moment that isn't always orienting towards the next movement that needs to come into being. Well, what I, what I hear in, in, in one, one of the things I hear in, in what you're saying, you know, in relationship to gesture, the, the, the receptive and the reciprocal, um, so the quality of one receptive and the quality of three reciprocal, and then the quality of five, which is all this, this evolution's engine, they, all of those, um, odd numbers they they have a quality of of movement in them there's a kind of a flow whereas the the quality of two the the active the differentiative the that you know i'm this and you're that and like give me the damn cookie and like there's a stability in that quality that gesture of two and then that four space which is the interreflection um it's also very stable it has the quality of the of a of a king or or a sovereign. Um, there's like an upright integrity, and and so you'll see this a lot, like with those the last uh, wave of every tier. There's a way that they've integrated the fullness of that whole tier in such a way that they're this like this like um, stabilizing axis, um, holding everything that's in that world that gives it that kind of interreflective ground. Um, and so anyway, just as you were speaking, it's like, it just drew out for me a reminder of like, because I don't like to think a lot when I'm with people, um, having that embodied sense of these, these, these gestures and how they move when they move and how they're stable and which ones are tend towards stability or driving or whatever it is, there's a way in which that they, um, you can, it's so much, for me, it's so much easier to taste that in the moment with someone rather than having to be thinking like, oh, they're wearing a tie-dye shirt. So like they must be at, you know, it's like a very, it's like, oh, but I can feel this, this dynamic movement that's wanting to happen here. Or, oh, look, this person, like they, they've got their shit together. Like they are one stable mm thing yeah. curious about that bridge I guess we'll call it that for the moment um between you know because I also experienced when I first started learning stages that I started to realize it was helping me to point to a felt sense that was already true like it was giving me language and a bit of stru more structure around something that I was orienting toward because I would often be like calling myself um this is many years ago when I first started like a bit too fluid or something you know in that I would show up in very different ways in different contexts with different people and I would, you know, and I would see people who didn't do that so much and I would sort of make that wrong sometimes that I was doing that. And then I would start, when I started to learn stages, I was like, oh, there's a way in which there's a natural orientation toward like showing up in a way that feels like more true and beautiful in this particular context because I'm meeting this person in this particular way. And so I get curious about um, 
building that bridge because some people don't necessarily immediately orient in that way to just naturally feeling and and so the structures of any teaching of like any map or any form can be held very solid like in the mind and then there's this sort of projection of what it is and then there's this sort of controlling in a sense of like what that is and so I get curious about with there's so many of these things whether they're we practices or you know there's so many things in our world right now where they're teaching us some sort of like authentic relating or some sort of way of being in the world that's helping us to bring attention to certain nuances that we might not like intrinsically orient toward or just and I think part of that is just because of the sort of what Gebser points to as the deficient modern like just being in this structure of this sort of culture where we're not like guided in that way from very young to like really trust our intuition and to really trust that more yin way of just like being in the world and so I'm really curious about that at the moment like how do we because because sometimes I've, I've seen situations where people will practice in this thing for many years but still there's this way of holding it in the mind and it's not an intuitive flow so um I don't really know what the question is I just want to bring that forth because it was like it was just alive for me I'm just curious yeah. what others have to share <clears throat> it, it brings up for me um um this morning I was writing about tensegrity. So if you if you Google tensegrity bridges, you can see like a version of what tensegrity is. But um, I mean, it's like tensional integrity, and and so. But it now when you look at it in a bridge, it looks very st stable. But um, some traditions, like the biodynamic cranial sacral tradition, they'll talk about like a tensile field, and they'll talk about this tensional integrity um, within our system, which is like. Uh, you could look at it like that um, that stable structured uh, gesture in relationship to this fluid kind of flowing gesture. And there's this way in which um, these seemingly opposing forces, when they're opposing or holding their own in proper balance, while also, you could say, exerting just the right amount of evolutionary tension, can create a kind of dynamism in motion where it's like, if we didn't have structure in our being, we would be like, like goo on the floor, right? So there's a certain degree of structure in our being and fluidity. And there's a way in which um, if they both offer the proper tension of their own nature, it can lead hopefully to some kind of a balanced relationship to structure and flow. And I think we see this in folks that achieve um, virtuosity and, and or mastery um, where they've, they've done the structure so much that it's dissolved, but yet it's in their bones. And so there's a way in which, you know, I think when we're learning something, even if we're like pretty skilled at it, sometimes we can hold on to structure because um, we wanna feel safe. You know, it's like a real common desire. But then at what point do we allow that structure to start being subjected to flow? Because either one by themselves, I mean, I've been in conversations where it's all flow, but it ends up not being flow. It's just like, I don't know, like mm. limp spaghetti. Like it's not really dynamism. And then like you're describing on the other side, there can be this like holding on to this like, thing. And so that's, that's what comes up for me. There's some kind of, um, 
I won't go into the details, but in Chinese medicine, they have a, a way of organizing gestures where you're looking at all the opposition, all the forces of opposition. Um, they call it the control cycle. I prefer the tensegrity cycle because I think it's not just about control. And in, 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 it, in truth, it's really about this kind of holding opposing forces in a way that leads to some third option. I just wanted to just add that it feels very um, true and alive what you point to and I'm holding that we're in a we, we, we're swimming in a context where structure is so much more so I get curious about from that perspective not less from what's true and that we need yeah. to bring these together and more about how do we hold this in a culture and a context where it's so dominant you know and so that's part of what I'm yeah, I'm with I'm you. Embodying that, like, because of course the structure is important, but it's also like, a, um, for me, it's like embodying that that presence, that fluidity, and allowing that to sort of penetrate, if you want to say, the field in a way that is like inviting something else, but it's not always welcome, and it's often a little triggering. And so I'm just curious about. Um, ah, I'm and so I guess also when you speak, I feel patience. I feel like you know this this sense of like sometimes the structure just needs to keep working itself until it dissolves. And so that's, that's true too. Yeah. I mean, I think that's what poetry and art is for, you know, it's like why I'm writing a book about stages and I'm like, there's sentences that talk about lush hips, you know? Mm -hmm. And it's like, it's like, it's, I, I think that for me, that's the, the heart of it. It's how do we use language to invite something that, makes us laugh and cry and it's not just about i mean i to me the, your question is precisely the to me the heart of the whole in a way the whole conversation around intimacy because it's in that intimacy that that the the unnecessary rigidity of the structuring dissolves and so like i love when people talk about development and then a lot of times the way that we write about it I fall asleep because it's like not a mango smoothie. And I'm like, okay, like I need to like make myself read this because I know the ideas are amazing. And then I just can't because of the way my brain works. And so it's like, but if I talk about lush hips and like the, like mango lassies and, you know, strawberry feels of the soul while also, you know, imprinting that with rigor it'll hopefully awaken something in us so that we're not just learning about new stuff in the same old way, but we maybe are learning the same old stuff in a brand new way. And then like we've fallen in love with life. And then those structures that I think you're pointing to, they, they soften a little bit because we laughed. We didn't mean to. We thought we were learning something serious. And then like a tear trickled down our eye, you know? <laughs> Just bursting with love for you right now. Just yeah. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> Beautiful. <clears throat> Having some. Let's go ahead. No, I got Well, I, I'm just noticing something coming up in me, um, which feels directly related to what you're sharing. Me is almost like a. And notice and notice a sense of like wanting to protect the structure 
I'm like as you're speaking, I'm kind of like, uh, <laughs> like wait, wait a minute, um, uh, um, and I'm like, there's a curiosity of like both of the where is that coming from fear in me of like losing the structure and like the safety that it provides and where is that coming in me from a place of like really honoring the value of the structure and um holding that in the whole with the acknowledgement and the appreciation of what you're pointing to which is the cultural imbalance that currently exists in many contexts where the structure may be prioritized over the structureless. And, and so I'm kind of like a, yeah, I'm getting like an embodied reaction to like um, how to lean more fully into the structureless in healthy ways without, and I don't think that you're pointing to this, but it's just something that's coming through in me of like, without throwing away the structure or like, or like maintaining the healthy structure as we lean into the um, no need for structure. I like, what are the ways in which we can um, not throw the baby out with the bathwater or not like from one extreme to another extreme? Like, like what is the healthy equilibrium that exists? Um, as we're orienting towards it in the moment. I just have to say that I'm sitting here like a mature adult, like like <laughs> being like contained in my body. And actually there's this little kid going, oh! like, and, and it's like every time I mention anything about, you know, fluidity, it's there's this, and I love that you've brought it, but that's often what, there's this defensiveness that comes back as if that's my intention. And it's not, it's, and it's, so it's like, I'm just loving this conversation because it's allowing me to get even more nuanced at, um, at how do I like invite this without it necessarily being met in this sort of fear of like, oh, is that what you're saying? Are you saying you don't want this? Are you saying you don't want this beautiful thing that I know to be true, that I love, that helps me access um, more intimacy in relationship, for example, because I've been taught these ways of like, practicing that and that's really beautiful and, and of course there's so many other structures like just the structure of this form of my body which of course I can't even get rid of and I love to death so um yeah I just wanted to say I'm this little child going no that's not what I want but um mm -hmm. yeah we brought that up. it feels like constructing consciousness as a as an organism as a being and then also as a, as a series of gatherings is attempting to live into this inquiry of creating just enough structure to allow the integration of a structure free or a structure fluid form. Um, and it just feels so perfect that the two of you are representing sort of beautiful poles and also inter-reflecting one another as well. Hmm. Well, and so, I mean, that's what I love about you know, Terry's stages model is that what is constructing it are universal, very, very um, essential threads of the cosmos. So it's like, we can talk about structure, we can talk about less structure, we can talk about no structure, but it's like, 
you can't set yin and yang aside. I mean, you don't have to think about it. But but that orientation of receptive, active, reciprocal, interpenetrative, interreflective, like, and and this this whirling engine, however we conceive of it, it's 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 moving through us as almost like if we were to get rid of everything other than the just tiny threads forming the bones of existence, like what would be left over? And so to me, it's like the, the model, the stages model itself, it's has such minimalist structure that then allows each human being to um, flesh it out in such a um, an infinite amount of ways. Love what you said, and I actually feel like it points again to CC because, um, like, even as, as you're speaking, Tucker, I was wanting to just say, and I know that this is not your intention, but to say we're not even creating a structureless or structure-free space in a sense. Actually, part of what's happening or the intention is to actually really like as you said the structure is always we can't not be in a structured environment like and and so it's like bringing it back to the basics and we're actually creating the structure as we move together and so we're not holding a structure as static that comes from the mind or some sort of subtle structure of how we relate or actually like well the, the excitement for me is dropping back to these exactly what you're saying to and that's how I've always experienced Terry's model too in these very primordial sort of impulses and movements and like that as the foundation of like what wants to be born and what wants to grow and evolve and unfold together and that is exciting to me yeah <clears throat> because it's that's an interesting thing where it's like the structure itself allows for one extreme the actual structure has embedded within it complete dissolution of structure. And the structure also has the complete other extreme of absolute stable swordsmanship. And, and, and there's, there's something just so bizarre about a structure so elegant and fine that it could somehow hold those extreme poles and then anything in between it to support what's needed in a given moment in a collective sort of a collect in a, in a collective moment of sort of becoming with each other feels like a possibility that cc can also be a place where people go to dissolve the structures that have sort of um reified and rigidified life through cultural conditioning or belief systems or just um the ways in which we show up in collectives and so it's almost like there's uh there's not a freeing of structure but a dissolving of a particular shape of structure probably most of which are not even in a in our collective awareness but they're just part of the shape of who we are due to time and space. And that that points me to the impulse that came up in me when you were speaking, Lee, of like, like, can we dissolve the structure in a safe space? <laughs> like, can 
can I be loved in my need for structure sometimes, right? Can I be held in any fears that might come up around the letting go of something? Can I be seen in the multiplicity of ways in which I may not even see myself? And needing like a like wanting like a like a cocoon of like warmth and care and um, softness that allows me to like uh, and rest into okay i don't know what's coming up next it's a little scary and also, because I'm here and I feel held and loved and safe, I'm feeling like I can lean into that unknown together. And that for me is the beauty of these kinds of spaces where there's a collective awareness and intention and capacity that I don't have to hold all of me myself, that we are held by each other. And it's that inter-reflection, right? That I don't have to be the only one that sees myself that there's others that see me in a way that allows me to soften into a new form that perhaps lets go of structure or lets it be or finds a new way of integrating it into its wholeness. Um, and I'm sensing that now in the moment as I'm kind of like, oh, a little bit of vulnerability like you were pointing to earlier, Lee, of like, can I share? Is it okay for me to share here? What are people going to think? <laughs> and uh, like a sense of hope that comes out around like, I don't know what people are going to think, but I'm still willing to share and walk into that unknown with you together. For the uh, listeners, we're all smiling at each other. <laughs> and I would invite you to smile at each other with us. <laughs> Feeling the quality, the, the potency of um, the wordless being together is, is um, something that we're all creating together with these kinds of gatherings and these kinds of invitations for togethering. And so just inviting 
the listeners to be here with us in that because this is what we're all um, creating together. Noticing a sense of relief and release, like my my stomach is kind of softening a little bit, like my whole gut, um, my shoulders are kind of dropping a little bit. There's not as much kind of holding in the neck. And I think part of part of the reason for that is not only the interreflection that I'm feeling from the three of you, but also maybe in the future that is now the people who are listening. As you're listening to my voice, you're seeing me and you're interreflecting with me. I'm noticing in the now of the present being held by everyone who's listening. It might be a beautiful place to to stay and to go at the same time. <laughs> to leave the structure of this form we call a podcast episode and <laughs> see what new form comes into being next. Thank you, everyone, for a lovely, lovely dialogue and time together. It's a good reminder for me of the ways in which the unfolding of the wholeness of reality is so much more than my mind can ever construct. Yeah. Coming into this, it's like, oh, I wonder what this podcast episode will be about. And the kind of the constructions of like, well, that topic or this topic. Or... And um, the beauty that emerges from wholeness. I'm just glad I got to see the word lush hips. Lush hips. <laughs> I think you did twice. You got that in twice. <laughs> <laughs> thanks so much for joining us alexander it's just so beautiful yeah thanks thanks for inviting me i really love being here together